Good morning. Welcome again to VFC. Uh, happy anniversary. Happy birthday, people. Uh, but today we celebrate, uh, I don't know if it's a birthday or an anniversary. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But uh, we celebrate uh, 11 years. And more specifically today, we're going to look back at uh, 2023 and all that God has has done in the, in the last year. And then now, the message is really simple. It's, it's who we are uh, as, a, as a church. And so uh, super excited for today. If, you, if you're a guest, this is your first time, uh, this is actually the perfect time uh, to, to try out VFC because at the end of today, you're going to know I either like this place or I hate this place. And so uh, today is the day. This is kind of who we are as a, as a church. Uh, so I'm going to tell a little about our story and then just talk about a passage that God laid on our heart in the, in the, in, in the early days. About a little over 11 years ago, about 11 and a half years ago, there was about 10 of us in uh, my living room. I was living at Edmond at the time. And we were, we were praying and we were just preparing. We were dreaming. And we had all these like massive sticky notes. Like not the little ones, you know, the big like huge sticky notes. We had these sticky notes all over my house. Like they were all over my, my whole house was full of sticky notes. And every day uh, people would come over to my house and we would start writing and, and, and dreaming. And, and here's verses that God's laying on our hearts. Here's the prayers that God's laying on our heart. Here's some ideas. Here's some, here's some strategies. And so, so we're trying to put all this together, like what this would look like if we were to, to be able to, to, to lead a church, and then in, in January of 2013, we relaunched uh, Victory, which now became Victory uh, Family Church, and uh, we started uh, this little building on the corner of Barry and Boyd, uh, which will always have a very special place in my heart. Uh, we were only there for uh, about a year and a half, and, and God allowed us to be in, in this building, this auditorium. Now, we have that picture, but it certainly didn't look like that uh, back then. It was just this auditorium, no balcony, and very little lobby space. And then we had the, the kids' space over there. And we got in that in 2014 and then been expanding ever since. About five years ago, we launched in Newcastle. And there is our uh, Newcastle uh, building. And that little auditorium seats about 200 people. And we have uh, about 800 people there every single Sunday. And so we're frantically trying to figure out, uh, I say frantically, we, we've been trying to figure it out for a year um, and how to, how to uh, continue to expand that. And then a couple years after that, we launched in uh, Chickasha. And we have a, a new uh, campus pastor down there about six months ago, uh, Christian and his wife, Bailey, the most incredible, precious people on the planet. Uh, and you'll see them in a video here in a, or you at least see him and what God has done in his life in a video here in a little bit. And then about a year and a half ago, we launched in uh, Shawnee, and man, that church is, is blowing up, and God is doing amazing things there. I don't know what's next. I don't know what is, what is next. I just know that God continues to move, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Like, the goal was never, like, let's see how many people we can get to come to church. That was never the goal. The goal from the very beginning was how many people can we introduce to Jesus and how many people can we actually help grow in their relationship with the Lord. It's never been about a crowd. It's always been about disciples. And listen, God has just blown our minds. Here's what I honestly, I honestly believe. Like, 11 years... A lot of times it seems like yesterday. I was talking to my kids this morning on the way to church, and my daughter was only, she was 18 months when we started, so she doesn't even really remember some of the early days. Um, my, my son was three. He remembers a little bit. So it was just a fun conversation this, this morning. And when you think about 11 years, like, we're really just getting started. Like, 
11 years, we, we haven't really t- had time to figure it out yet, you know, so we're just getting, we're just getting started. Uh, and every year on an anniversary, I'll preach the same, the same passage, and I'm going to preach the same passage um, every anniversary Sunday until I retire, which hopefully is in around 20 years. Um, and, and so, and here's why I'm going to preach the same message, because if it's important, it's worth repeating, right? If it's important, it's worth repeating. See how I did that? Huh? That was repetitive and redundant. Um, Nobody. Okay. Uh, come on. I was. I thought funny. Whatever. Um, here's the thing. You didn't. You didn't. Hopefully, dudes. You didn't tell your wife you love her on your wedding day and then never told her again, right? Like, you can't just say I love you and if something changes, I'll let you know. That's bad. That's bad marriage. That's that's a bad way to like. You you. It's important to you that your, that your spouse knows that you love them, and so you reinforce it every single day. It's, it's important that your kids know that you're, that you're proud of them, and so you reinforce it every single day. If it's important, then you repeat it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a Ritz-Carlton guy. I'm more of a Holiday Inn Express type of guy, uh, but I have stayed at the Ritz one time, and the reason why I stayed there one time is because somebody else paid for it. And I'm, but I'm not gonna lie to you guys. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. Those beds, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know what it's going to, like, like we have some, some context of heaven. Like, like, we know streets and we know gates. We don't have a context of beds in heaven, but I just think it's that. Like, I just, like, it's going to be close to, to that. And here's what's, like, mind-blowing. Everything in the Ritz is just done with extreme excellence, Everywhere you go, it's just perfect. It's like, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing how perfect everything is everywhere. But here's what's interesting. Ritz-Carlton has 12 core values. And every single staff member at every single location that they have spends 15 minutes every single day on one of those core values. And so over the course of a year, every single employee has gone over every single value 30 times. So the, you start working there several years. This becomes a part of, of, of who you are. It's just naturally who you are. So if it's, if it's important, it's worth repeating. And sometimes, like, you don't even try to remember something, but you can't help yourself because of how many times that you have heard it. Right? Finish this for me. Finish this for me. I've been singing a lot lately, Chris. You know, I've got a terrible voice. I'm just getting comfortable. Finish this. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground where I spent. Everybody knows it. Why? You haven't seen that show in 20 years. But, but, but you listened to it again and again. You weren't trying to memorize that song. It just got in your soul, right? I preach a lot of the same things every year. And I'm going to always preach the same things because they're important. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus, like one of the things he continued to teach was on, on, on money and finances. Almost half of his parables, almost half of his parables were about money and finances. Why? Because he, he wanted to get people's money? No, no, no. What about him? He knew that, the, that, that money was going to have a stranglehold on people. And so it was important, so he repeated it, right? So I'm going to repeat this passage as, as much as possible. And hopefully it becomes our DNA as a as a church, Ephesians chapter two. I, I, I always preach from the NIV. When I preach this, I preach from the, the message. Uh, it's just so poetic in how it's, it's written. And so I'm gonna read from the message today. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. 
You no longer are strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as a cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Like this passage can't just be something that we read. This has to be who we are. And this passage reminds us that it's God building his home. And I love it. It's not me. It's not you. It is God. And God is building his home. It said the kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Some of you need to hear that. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. I don't care. You've been been struggling. You're addiction. You're pain. You've been lost. You've been broken. You've been hurting. You give your life to Jesus. You have just as a right to the name Christian as anybody. God is building a home. Anybody ever been invited to somebody's house and immediately feel like they don't actually want you there? That ever happened to anybody? It's happened to me a couple times. I'm going to lie. I thought maybe, maybe they... Maybe they just wanted Christy there. I don't know. That's probably the case. So, but like immediately, you're looking for an exit strategy, right? You're like answering fake phone calls. Hello? Oh, no. Are you serious? I'll be right there. I'll be right there. I got to go. It's an emergency. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, right? Like, if you don't feel welcome somewhere, you try to get out as fast as possible. But the opposite's true. Some of you, you've been invited somewhere, and may you feel so like... Like, we've been besties for decades. Like, you take your shoes off. You got a hole in your sock. You don't even care. You go to the refrigerator without even asking. Like, that's how you know you're friends with somebody. You get somebody in the refrigerator without even asking them. That's how you know you're friends. Like, I love, I love, like, I love that this is a place. It always has to be a place where people come in and they feel like loved and welcome. Like, why do we do food on Sundays? Why do we do it? Like, because we want people to feel loved. We want people to feel welcome. In, in fact, I, I, have a, I have a good friend that when he started coming to church, he felt so welcome. He thought that the, that, the, that the drinks in the refrigerator were free. And so he just opened up the thing and get a monster five Sundays in a row. I don't want to embarrass him because he's in the service. His name is Tyler, and he's sitting over there. <laughs> stand up, Tyler. Stand up for everybody. Just stand up. No, okay. <laughs> It's when we're, to be fair to him, it's when we're doing construction and we push the, the fridge way out. So it did look like it was just an open fridge for anybody. Uh, but then he, he, he felt terrible because not only does he not want to steal, certainly like when you feel like you're stealing from a church, that feels like an auto ticket to hell. Like that does feel, it feels pretty bad, right? <laughs> but we want to create a place, and I would encourage you also to leave your shoes on today. But, but other than that, we want to create a place where you feel loved, where you feel welcome, where you feel at home, where you feel like I belong here. I, I, listen, I don't care if you were in a Bible study last night or you had a bar. I want you here. I don't care if you're 7, 27, or 107. I want you here. I don't care if you're rich or you're poor or you're middle class. I want you here in the house of God. Uh, you got to know this. You got to know this. Everyone, I want, oh, please hear this. God loves you exactly how you are, exactly where you are. I'll be very clear. God loves you exactly how you are, exactly where you are. And you also have to understand this. He loves you too much to let you stay there. Some of you, you're just, your life is full of sin. God loves you in the middle of your sin. The Bible said like, like, like Christ died while we were still sinners, right? 
but he loves you too much to let you stay in your sin. He died so he could he offer you something, something better. We, we repent, we turn from our sin, and we begin living for Jesus. That's a, a better life, a better purpose, a better destiny, a better eternity. He loves you where you're at, but he's got so much more for you. We talk about this all the time. I'm not looking for a better version of me or to be the best version of me. Me is corrupt. Me, I, I'm, I'm, I can be selfish. I, I can be all kinds of terrible things. I don't want to be more of me. I want to die to me. I want to be more like Jesus. He loves the terrible version of me, but he doesn't want to make me more of the terrible version of me. He wants me to die to me and be more like him. Listen, our house, God's house, has to be the most loving house in our communities. People should feel more loved. Sinful people should feel more loved here than anywhere else they go. But it also has to be a place that people can be challenged. People can grow. In Matthew chapter 28, it doesn't say, Jesus is telling his disciples, he doesn't, he doesn't say, go and make converts. He says, go and create more disciples. Like the goal is for people to grow in their relationship with, with Jesus. Like I don't, I don't preach to entertain you. I don't preach so you like me. And some of you have sent me emails that I am accomplishing that goal. So I, I appreciate that. We don't, we, don't, we don't do worship as a form of entertainment. We, we, want, we want you to have an encounter with, 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 with Jesus. We don't do small groups to fill up your social calendar. We do small groups because we know we grow so much better in circles than we do in rows. That iron sharpens iron. We need one another to grow in our relationship with, with Jesus. We want you to serve so you can help discover your purpose. You can get outside of yourself for a little bit and help other, other people. And like, I love that we have a, a church that some people, you've been following Jesus for a, a, a week. Some of you have been following Jesus for 80 years. And I love that we are all on the exact same path, on the same journey, trying to be a little bit more like Jesus every single day. We might be at different mile markers, but we're all on the same road. Just want to be more like the Lord. God is building his house. People are going to be loved. People are going to be challenged. And also, this is going to be a place where needs are met. If you look at how the early church was set up in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they sold everything. I'm not advocating that today. I'm advocating you listen to the Lord, do whatever he tells you to do. But they sold everything. And to do what? To give to those in need. The idea was there would be no needs among them. I believe with everything in me that our church can meet every need of the people in our church. I don't think that we currently are. I think that we can and we should. I think that's our role. And I think the, the churches in our community collectively can and should meet all of the needs in our community collectively. One church can't do it. Three churches can't do it. But all of us together can meet all of the needs in our community. I have a lot of political opinions. I don't preach them, and I never will for a lot of reasons. And a lot of you want me to preach them. I'm never going to, so please stop emailing. <laughs> but I will say this. It's not, it's not the government's responsibility to help the, the broken and the hurting. 
in our communities. It's the church's responsibility. You cannot read scripture and say, I'm just going to bury my head in the sand to the needs of the people around me. That's why God has us here. He's building his home. But here's all of He's using us all. It says this. It says, he's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone. Uh, 11 years ago, there was a couple hundred people that, that showed up and said, I believe in what God is going to do here. We went door to door that first Sunday. We went door to door knocking on people's doors saying, hey, we're starting a church. You want to come? And people came. And back in those, those early days, man, I, I'm just, I was just blown away that people kept coming. Yeah, some of you that, that, that were here from the very beginning. Let me just do this. If you, were, if you were at Barry and Boyd, if you attended church at Barry and Boyd, would you just stand up real quick? Would you stand up here real, real quick? There's, there's a few of you here. A few of you. My people, my people. Young, sit down. Everybody, every, I love everybody in this room. Everybody has a special place in my heart in this room, but, but these people believed in this thing before anybody else did. We're only here because of the grace of God. But God also used a lot of people along the way. Sacrificed a lot. So more people could be, could be touched. I'm just always grateful for those people. Every campus started the same way. Just a group of people that said, I believe that God has something special for our community. In every location, God's doing something special. Look, last year, you saw in this video, the last year, 4,300 people said, I want to follow Jesus. Can you just think about that for a second? 4,300 people. I'm still like, I know I'm young for a senior pastor. I'm getting old in life, but I'm young for a senior pastor still. But I'm still a little old school. A lot old school, actually. I still believe in heaven and hell. And I just believe apart from Jesus, you're, you're spending, and I'm not trying to like scare you today. Nobody should try to follow Jesus to stay out of hell. You follow Jesus because of what, what, who he is, what he's done, right? But, but I don't want to ignore the reality that without, without Jesus, hell is the other way. It's the only way without Jesus. And heaven is only through Jesus. And to think 4,300 people were snatched out of the pits of hell, given new life, new purpose, new eternity, it's mind-blowing. The last week, and I'm sure today, we'll have around 7,000 people in our church. It's grown quite a bit. 1,500 volunteers last year. This is pretty cool. We were able to give away $1.1 million dollars to local and global missions. 1,400 of you were in small groups last year. We had almost a quarter of a million people watched online one way or another last year. Some, a lot of those are, I know are duplicates, people that watch every week. 35,000 interacted with us. That's not just 
views, but actual interactions. People watch online from all 50 states last year and 138 different countries. It's crazy. I was going to take the moment here and try to say hello in different languages to the people watching different countries, but I really felt like I would come across like a racist, and so I decided not to do that. Here's what I know. Uh, you guys are really changing the world for a lot of folks. And listen, it's never, it's never been about numbers. Like I, we, we set goals. I'm a very driven guy. Never once have we sat and said, we want to grow by this many people. We want to have this many people. It's never been about the numbers. But I also want to be really clear. Every one of those numbers represents a soul. They represent somebody that Jesus died for so they could have life and they can have eternity. It's, it's not about the numbers. It's about what the numbers represent. That's people. I'm going to show you a, a video of some, some incredible people that God has done some incredible things in, in, their, in their lives over the, over the last several years. During our 10-year marriage, we've battled the devastating lows of infertility. Ronnie and I got married in 1994. We went through the same challenges that every marriage faces. All of that eventually caught up with us and destroyed our marriage. We were missing something. Gave my life to Christ in 2011. Broke my hand afterwards. When breaking a bone for pain, they give you a substance to overcome the pain. And I found myself addicted to them for six years. And those six years, I battled depression. Anxiety felt like a failure and just wanted to give up. After I graduated high school, I helped plant a church in Shawnee, where I met my ex-wife. Things were okay until we moved to the city, and then it started going downhill. Four years later, I found out she was having an affair. We went to counseling, but it wasn't for her. She finally asked for a divorce and I hit rock bottom. I was grieving the loss of my brother while also suffering from postpartum depression and anxiety. I was tormented from past sexual abuse, fractured family relationships, and at my lowest, thoughts of suicide. To cope, I turned to alcohol and drugs, which quickly spiraled into addiction. I prayed and prayed for something to change. All I ever heard from God is, I'll restore your family. In 2017, our marriage was officially over and we went our separate ways. It sure didn't feel like God was restoring anything to me. I attempted to kill myself multiple times and by the grace of God, I wasn't successful. I chose to put aside my pride, my guilt, my shame and give church a try again. And someone took the time to remember my name, to not only see me, but they helped me feel seen. And I truly gave my life to the Lord that day and made a promise that for the rest of my life, I wanted to help people feel like Mrs. Phyllis made me feel that day. Fast forward a little to 2021. God had been working in both Ronnie and in me in ways that we couldn't have known. We reconnected and slowly started getting to know each other again. On December 1st, 2023, we got married again at the Newcastle campus. A victim of abuse, health problems with no answers, and a failed marriage. God took time healing every part of me that was broken and turned it for good. Those dark times led me to surrender my life back to God. He is bigger than my pain, my anxiety, and my depression. Feeling I had nothing left to lose but my life, I relentlessly pursued His presence through reading the scriptures, praying between countless tears, 
and the support of loving, spirit-filled individuals at DFC. For the very first time in my life, I felt truly loved. Fast forward to today, just a few years later, I'm a completely different person. I reunited with my family, found a beautiful wife, and now have a second family here at BFC. After failed fertility treatments and miscarriages, we were blessed with the opportunity to adopt two biological brothers from the foster care system. In April of 2022, we picked up Ayani from the hospital. After 16 months of court dates, meetings with our lawyers, and traumatic visits, the judge ruled for Ayani's case to proceed to adoption. There are a few words to describe what has happened. Redemption, restoration, grace. We don't deserve any of it, but we're so grateful for it. And that promise God made to restore our family, He's not done with us yet. Last, last week after the, uh, after the 11.30, uh, I, I mentioned something about forgiveness last week. And, uh, and a lady came up to me, she was crying, and, and she said, uh, can I talk to you? And, and I said, sure. And, and so we started talking, and, and uh, she told me she could, I, I could share this. And uh, she said, you preached about forgiveness last year, which again is why I preach the same thing a lot. And she said, you preached about forgiveness last year. <coughs> and she said, uh, my, my mother had been murdered 25 years prior, and I've never been able to forgive the man that murdered my mom. She said, I just, I went home and she said the whole, like the whole service, she said, I put my hair kind of in front of my, my face. I just wept the whole service. And she said, I was, I was able to forgive the man that murdered my mom. She said, I've never felt this kind of freedom before in my life. And every single story, I, I just like, it's tricky. <laughs> It's 100% the grace and the power of God. At the same time, God set this whole thing up to use you to be a part of those stories. I didn't help her find a parking spot. I didn't love her. I didn't walk. I, I, just, I just get up here and talk. I do my best to communicate God's word the best I can. You love. You welcome. You encourage. And together, God allows us to be a part of something really, really incredible. There's a passage that always blows my mind. It's maybe the most humbling passage in Scripture. First Corinthians 3, 9, it says, We can be, or we are, co-laborers with Jesus. And it just feels like the, the, the sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful God of the universe doesn't need a co-labor. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, because he's God, right? But, but he allows us to be a part of what he is doing. I thought about that this week, and I was, I was thinking, I was reminded when my, my son, he got to be like a junior captain uh, several years ago at OU football game. We got a little picture of him as a junior captain, a little homie. He's almost as big as Kenny is now, but... Uh, <laughs> I kind of thought we kind of co-labor kind of like that. Like, <laughs> like God's like, come on, little Adam, I got you. <laughs> I didn't really need you, but I got you. The difference is, Beck didn't play that night. He didn't get to play. He had no touchdowns, no tackles. The difference is God actually allows us to be in the game. He doesn't need us. He's God, but he allows us and he uses us to be a part of what he is 
he is doing. Just a, just a few weeks ago, I think the wind chill, it was just weird. Like, I don't know what point, what year did they get away from the word wind chill? Now they just start saying feels like. Because now I'm confused what I'm supposed to say. Weather dudes always, they always change and stuff on, on us. You know what I mean? It's like, but a few weeks ago, it felt like, like negative 197 degrees. Really, y'all remember that day? It was so cold. Y'all remember because this is the day that you stayed home. <laughs> but when I got here that morning, man, our parking lot's full of dudes. Dressed up like Eskimos, man. Getting the house of God ready. We, we have a saying, an internal saying among our, amongst our staff. Is we say every Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. A lot of people say Easter is like your Super Bowl, right? No, today's my Super Bowl. Next week, my Super Bowl. You know why? Because lost and broken and hurting people come every single Sunday. And so every single Sunday, we want to give our very best to the kingdom of God. Every Sunday, we're going to give our best. My goodness, Christy tried to burn the, the whole church down. We're going to give our best across the street. <laughs> we're still going to give our best. It matters. It all matters. Every one of you matter. A lot of you don't know this. Our prayer team starts praying Saturday afternoon. And there's so many on our prayer team that's praying every single hour for you, right? For you. 3 a.m., somebody's praying for you. They're praying for our community. They're praying for me that I don't screw this thing up. I know that's their prayer. Right now, they're still praying. They start praying Saturday afternoon. They pray all the way through the one o'clock service on, on Sunday. My dream is that one day, this will be a place that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somebody's praying. They're praying for our community. They're praying for our church. They're praying for you. We'll get there one day. But right now, there's a from Saturday to Sunday afternoon, people are praying for you. Those people matter. One of the reasons why people say, how, how has your church been so successful? Because this has been a house of prayer. Everything that we do is just bathed in in prayer. I'm so grateful for the youth leaders that have stepped in for kids that don't have parents. Probably a part of me will always be a youth pastor at heart. Just seeing the difference that it makes. When teenagers have somebody that actually believe in them, it matters. You matter. People changing diapers right now. It's not like they woke up today and said, I can't wait to change a diaper. They just want to make sure you have a place to worship freely you not have to worry about anything for a little bit so you can encounter God and grow in Him talk about these people and I can tell you stories that I can't right now because they're watching online some of the greatest stories I've heard recently are people that have never stepped foot in the building that they're watching online right now these guys back behind the stage they matter a lot 
those of you that love people, that greet people, smile, you fix people coffee, it matters. You've never gone home and looked at your house and wondered which brick was most important because they're all important. What's the most important in the body of Christ? It's all important. Every one of you have a role to play. Frankly, we need more of you. A church consultant last year, or not last year, years ago, he told me, don't ever say you need people. It makes you sound desperate. So now I say we desperately need people. You know why we desperately need people? Because people are down the street in their own addiction that are contemplating taking their own life. I don't, I, don't need, I, don't, I don't need you. I got a great support system. But they do. Marriages that are broken, they do. Kids that don't have dads, they do. I don't mind being a little bit desperate for some desperate people. We need you. By ourselves, like we can't do much, but together, God uses us. And don't forget this, don't forget this. It's the most important part of the passage. And I'm out of time got a little emotional today Jesus is the cornerstone Ephesians 2.20 said well Christ Jesus is a cornerstone that holds all the parts together and in biblical times there was a cornerstone today it would be more like the foundation but they didn't build houses like we do now the cornerstone had to be absolutely perfect if, it was, if there was a blemish in it if it was uneven, there was a crack they wouldn't use it they'd use it in a different part but the cornerstone had to be perfect Every, everything was built around the cornerstone. Everything was built on the cornerstone. It was all about the cornerstone. And here's a scripture. He says, like God's building his house, but when he builds his house, he's using us all. We're bricks. He's using us all. But make no mistake, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Everything is measured from the cornerstone. Everything is built off of the cornerstone. If you're here, you say, what's this church all about? It's about the cornerstone. It's about Jesus. Uh, 11 years ago, we started, we're all about Jesus. Today, we're all about Jesus. 20 years from now, we will always only be about Jesus. I don't care how many campuses we have, how many butts and seats we have. If Jesus is not the cornerstone, this whole thing is worthless. If Jesus isn't the cornerstone, this is a cool concert venue, and I'm giving you a TED Talk. This is about Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. Without Jesus, this thing collapses. But I'm not just saying that for our church. I'm saying that for your life. I don't care how much you have, how good you think you got it. Without Jesus as a cornerstone of your life, it eventually all falls apart. Frankly, it may not fall apart on this side of eternity, but eventually without Jesus, it all falls apart. But the opposite is also true. With Jesus as the cornerstone, when storm comes, challenges arise, difficulties, know this, if he's the cornerstone, it's going to be all right. Build your life like we're doing our best to build this church with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're grateful for you.
God, I pray that you would just keep doing you. You would just be you. You're a good God. You're a sovereign God. You're a powerful God. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're done. God, I'm excited for what you're going to continue to do. The heads about and your eyes closed if you're here in this auditorium. If Jesus is not the cornerstone of your life, your life is built on you, your ideas, your dreams, built on something else, not built on Jesus. I'm not trying to scare you today. I'm trying to encourage you today. Jesus came and died so you could be free. So you could have life, so you could have purpose, so you could have a destiny, and so you could have an eternity secure with him in heaven. Without Jesus, you have none of that. With Jesus, you have it all. If you're here today and you say, I don't want to live for me anymore. I don't want to build my life on me anymore. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to repent and stop living for me, and I want to begin living for Jesus. That's you all over there. I just want to pray for you real quick. We just slip your hand up in the air and say, I want to be forgiven of my sins, and I want to follow Jesus. Thanks, thanks. Thanks. Amen, thanks. Everybody pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Forgive me my sins. I'm not building my life on me anymore. You are my cornerstone. You are my foundation. You're everything to me. I repent. Thank you for loving me, for being my sacrifice and my Savior, my Lord and my God. In Jesus' name. Amen.